supposed to go? Come on. You want me to stay because of the way you feel about me? Yes. You're a great help to us. You're a natural leader. No. That's not it. Come on. Uh-huh. Come on. You're imagining things. Am I? Then why are you following me? Fredo's gonna leave without giving you a goodbye kiss? I just assumed he's a Wookiee. I can arrange that. You can use a good kiss. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rogue Rebels podcast, and this is a special Tales from the Rogue Rebels episode because I want to talk about books, and not everybody in the house reads books, but I called in a really cool, really awesome friend, which you guys have probably already know about in the Star Wars verse. Welcome, Emily Lind. Hello. How are you today, Emily? I'm doing okay. I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's like I I noticed that you read stuff. I do read stuff. And I was like, look, we all love King Tom and and King Tom because he's the one who reads everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't say myself, right? (laughs) And it's only it's not it's only so fun if I'm like, hey, did you like this book? I did like this book, Sal. It was all right. I had my issues with it. Um, You know, you only get so far. So I was like, let's just, let's, I want to reach out to everybody that reads and let's like, this is, this is my like reading rainbow. I don't know if when you were little, did you have the, uh, book it club in summer? <gasps> oh my God. Not we had book it and I lived like a block away from a pizza hut. Yo. So it was a good combination. That is dope. I would hit up the library constantly for those bookets. And then I would get like, yeah, that, I mean, I didn't live next door to the pizza hut, but you know, it was worth the drive. I was able to convince the parents, Hey, I got another one. It's only been eight days. I, I read fast. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, so I have a history of reading things, Star Wars or not. Anyway, you can find Emily on her other podcast, on her other podcasts, on her podcasts, The Canto by Dispatch with Emily and Brittany talking all things Star Wars, mostly how cute the guys are. Um, I mentioned this podcast to my wife and she was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, they, they talk about, you know, how hot the guys are sometimes. Yeah. She was like, what about Cobb Vanth? And I was like, yeah, I think he's hot. She was yeah, like, we talked oh. about him quite a bit. Yeah, she was like, oh, okay, I got to go listen. And I was like, okay, honey, honey, be careful, though. <laughs> yeah, go check it out, but, you know. Like, it, it's not family friendly. Yeah, get, get, a, get a, you know, maybe get a starter glass of wine <laughs> before you go in. But, um, yeah, so she is very interested now, that uh, at least in the Cobb Vanth episodes. Uh, then we got the Pop Culture Hour with my favorite buddy in yours, Johnny Grasso. I haven't talked to him in a while. He's doing good. And uh, Michael Pappas is now back with us. Oh, Michael Pappas. Yes, it's great to hear Michael Pappas back. Glad to hear he's doing well. And it's good to hear him talking on that show again. Bringing the uh, the Pappas, born and raised, born and raised, back. You know, good times. Okay, what's what is the fan in The Furious? Talk to me. Okay, it's you can also well okay. It started out when uh, quarantine like first happened and New York was in hard lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Steve, who is a huge Fast and the Furious fan, okay, uh, texted me being like, "Hey, do you want to do a podcast where you watch all the Fast and the Furious movies for the first time and we talk about them?" Wow. And then we expected, I mean, because that was at the beginning when 
think people didn't realize how bad this was going to get. So we thought, okay, <laughs> we'll watch those and maybe, you know, we'll get, finish it eventually. But then it kept happening and we're like, okay, so we watched all eight of those movies. Mm-hmm. What do we do now? And it turned into The Fan and the Furious prevents, presents Vindicated, where we went through the entire filmography of Vin Diesel. Wow. Okay. Like, I am a person who tried to get my family to watch The Fast and the Furious. And even my kids are like, ugh. <laughs> um, so, and I'm also a 90s kid who, when The Fast and the Furious came out, was like, there's only one cool car in this movie. The other ones are like not that cool. But I have been ironically watching it for a while <laughs> and coming to find that I'm genuinely enjoying the ridiculousness of what it is. Um, so I need to yeah. investigate. Yeah, I think they become a lot more f- fun when they are suddenly not illegal street racers, but are instead superheroes. Yeah, they're like... I don't even remember the last one I saw, but I'm pretty sure they like crashed a helicopter into a tank or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. I think but I then, might be yeah. like two behind. We just, we also like when we were doing Fast and the Furious, Steve and I just got like fascinated by Vin Diesel because he's sort of, he's sort of not a real person. <laughs> and okay. we wanted to investigate that because he, he started as a real person and then he sort of became like... It's like somebody role-playing as what they think is a really cool guy and what a cool celebrity is. Right, right. And that just sort of slowly became his actual persona. And so we started to kind of be like, okay, let's let's figure out what makes this guy tr- tick. So we started, like, his very first thing was a short film that he wrote and produced and directed himself. Awesome. I have questions. Uh, yeah, it's actually... It's actually really good. It's huh. it's it's all it's on in entirety on YouTube. It's like maybe like 15 20 minutes. It's uh-huh. called Multifacial and it's basically him. I mean it's very autobiographical cuz it's about, you know, a young struggling actor right. going out for auditions and dealing with the fact that he is sort of ethnically ambiguous mm-hmm. and him getting like like sort of the way the stereotypes that these different casting directors want him to play where he just, and he's always, it's this very sincere, you know, I want to, I want to be the next Cary Grant. I want to be the next Robert De Niro. Right. And it's, it's actually a really kind of excellent. That sounds dope. Like that actually does sound super interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. Vin Diesel. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what and, a rabbit and, hole. And then, you know, several years later, he's making, like, The Last Witch Hunter. Yeah, and the Riddick movies. Like, the, I'm trying to think of, like, what I know him from. And it's, like, is it, is, I think it's those movies and, like, is it, was it, what is he, Groot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do any of the, um, the Avengers movies or the Guardians movies because mm-hmm. there's only so much, like, yeah. I love him as Groot, but there's mm-hmm. only so much you can talk about that performance. Right, there's not a whole lot to, uh. But Dis- disassemble. he also voiced the Iron Giant in the Iron Giant. I thought that was him, but I couldn't remember if it was him or... Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And he's in those terrible triple X movies, or at least he's in the first and the third. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Uh, I think 
if I had to pick the second Fast and Furious movie, so far is my least favorite. Yes. Um, the Also, the other one I really hated is the one with Shirley's Theron with her like terrible cornrows. Oh, that's I don't think that's I've seen that one. That's number eight, <laughs> and it is, okay. it's uh, it's awful. So that's the most recent one before they did uh, Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff. Okay, but yeah, I need to yeah. get into the Fast and Furious verse. I'm missing. There are a few holes in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say you're missing much, but there's probably you know some fun. Look, people, it's about it's about the holiday time. Yeah, and it's about time to force my family to watch another Fast and Furious with me. <laughs> The, the movies are, the movies are about family. Yeah, a family. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, at last, I think I got Axel to watch half of part one, and Lizzie just like walked out in the first 15, 20 minutes. I was like, you haven't even got to the family part yet. Uh, you know. I say go in with like five because that's when the rock comes in. Yeah. And after that, like especially six, that's when things start to get really insane and they're saving the world instead of yeah. driving cars <laughs> yes okay awesome oh so intriguing so that's a podcast that i'm going to look into a little bit more along with a couple of movies that i'm missing and uh, let's see okay before we get to the book let me just get some business done real quick you can check us out at the rogue we have a facebook page on facebook uh hit us up on instagram at the rogue rebels we have a TikTok at the Rogue Rebels. All right. Uh, let me know what's going on over there uh, with you fellow teenagers on TikTok. <laughs> hey, pot it forward. Go check out the Cano by Dispatch and the Pop Culture Hour and the Fan and the Furious or Fan and the Furious. I might have said it wrong. Uh, and hit us up at. Rogue Rebels SW at Gmail. If you have any questions, concerns, hit us with some five stars because we could use them. Thank you, Brittany. Uh, we got a we got a new five star review from Brittany. I read it on the uh, podcast the other day, so I was very happy. It was heartwarming and wonderful. Aww. And I thought I had something else to say, but I can't remember what it was. So let's go on. Spoilers for the book. If you want to read a book, go read the book first, then come back to this part. And now, okay. There's 40 stories in this book. I I like anthologies a lot because I feel like that's the only way that I ever get like some of the stuff that I really, really love that you're just never going to get. I'm never going to get a movie about, I don't know, Torin Far or the guy who walks between everybody with the ice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the story of the guy who walks between everybody with the ice is awesome. It was pretty great. And like, there's a lot of that, like in the, uh, did you do the, did you do the first book? I, I never did the, all of the first book. Okay. I should go back to it at some point. I go through them. And then the thing that I really like about anthologies oh. is like, if I'm going to work, I work far and I live in LA or, or I work in LA. So it's like, there's always an hour to kill on the radio. So I usually do these in audiobooks. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, instead of going back to be like, well, let me listen to my favorite hour of Dark Disciple. Sometimes I'll just be like, well, let me listen to that one story from a certain point of view, you know, because it can kill an hour and I can knock it out and not have to worry about what's happening when I get back in the car. So I love anthologies. Now the dog is at the door. Why? Why? Why now? You just waited till I said spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah. 
this one, just like any anthology, it's going to have your favorites and it's going to have your less favorites. But this was a solid collection. There was a lot of good stuff in here. I think overall there's more stuff I liked than I didn't like. In the, uh, okay, yeah, definitely. There's always there's always a balance. But I bet you somebody else picks this book up, I bet you they can say the same thing. You know what I mean? With 40 stories, there's got to be something for everybody. Yeah, and they're, they're especially, like, when the whole point of this is diving into these, like, small characters and and... I gotta say, they don't always work, but they take some pretty big swings, and I appreciate that. I like, yeah, I like big swings, and I like when they're free, and they don't take it so seriously, and you are you can do anything. You don't have to worry about, like, nobody's gonna get mad and be like, you have ruined the guy who walks with ice in between Han and Leia for me. Now there goes my childhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, the freedom and the the fun that they're allowed to have with something like this. I the, enjoy. The number of stories in this where characters are talking about how annoying Han and Leia are, I just yeah. warmed my heart. Yeah, maybe we just go by, like, segments. <laughs> like, the whole Hoth base part, I love how much of a thing Han and Leia's fighting, because it's clear that this is every day <laughs> for six months at least. You know what I mean? Like, and this is, they're, like, people are placing bets. Like, <laughs> people are like, again. <laughs> like, it's definitely hilarious how much of a thing it is. Yeah, it's a good running theme. Yeah. And uh, this is another part. This is, like, the whole part in the book where everybody's talking about rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> and it's, like, great, and it's wonderful, it's an inspiring. But then there's also, like, the two guys that are like, hey, rebellions are built on hope, right? Right? Uh, like the other guys that are tired of it I just love how every angle is like represented yeah as it would be if you were stuck here on Hoth uh, let's see what we got the, the first story is the one that's like the probe droid builder it was pretty cool and I thought it was cool that she like the girl like her mother like she came from the world that actually builds the droids that now she works in the empire using the droids. I thought that was a cool angle to go with it. I, I'm so fascinated because it's something, it, it sounds weird to say, but I'm sort of fascinated by uh, like fictional bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And I've always like been wanted to like delve deep into like the way the empire works on a nitty gritty level. And so this was a fun one, which is it's following the like, yeah, somebody has to be watching all that. Mm-hmm. The, the pro droid footage and that's got to be mostly really dull it's literally like what the fbi <laughs> it's literally them combing through pages and be like nothing 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 oh cool tree nothing 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 you know but then also it gets into like a weird and i like when sci-fi does this when it just decides to do its own thing it's literally this girl theoretically sitting in front of a computer screen looking at thousands of hours of footage from all of these probe droids but then in her mind like she goes to this weird place of like oh i like I, this is how i explore like yeah i like exploring the universe this is so cool like and that was cool i did not see that coming i saw the boring side <laughs> <laughs> you know but i thought that was interesting and that yeah, was something yeah, yeah. Go for and it. it's one that it's not 
I feel like it's so easy to make the Empire stories be like, oh, and then they learn the Empire is evil. Mm-hmm. But that isn't the story. This is just, no, she has a job and she's doing it. And this is her escape. It's like, this is the way she can see all these planets she would never be able to get to because she's just this person, like, sitting in a room somewhere, mm-hmm. like, watching this footage. But it's this both this connection to her home world, which is neat, and also a way to, like, see everything. Yeah. And it's like, it's also that that connection to like her fam like family, her family. That's right. I tried again. It still didn't work. Um, I also just like the little details here, like the fact that the different, like I guess, probe droid teams are kind of competitive over who finds useful footage. Right, and that gets back a little bit into the more like the politics of the stuff. Is like, well, why do you want to report it? Like, you just want to get the blah, 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 blah. Well, it doesn't matter because the captain's going to get it and then he's going to get the promotion or whatever. And like, they're kind of fighting over it too. And I, oh, that's like, that's another thing I hate with group projects is like the backstabbing people. <laughs> you know, you're like, this guy over here is going to take it. And why are you so eager? And then they start fighting amongst each other. It's like, yo, it's a, just, that's the job, right? Just do the thing. But it's like, the reality of it is so is so everybody's agendas and everybody's you know trying to find that their way for advancement and she even talks about how like you know these are either older people who just never advanced or they're fresh new kids who don't know enough and then i'm here because of family because it's like kind of like a safe position to be in in the empire you're not getting shot at that's a great plus you're not getting shot at you're not like in much risk of getting choked out by vader mm-hmm that's true, which we'll talk about a lot later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got. Hunger. That one was cool. The Wampa had like a whole clan sort of family kind of thing. I wasn't expecting to like this one, but I ended up really liking it and it made me very sad. The animal one in the first one was the Dianaga story and it was really good. And this one was like... So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to check out the animal stories. Because, like, what if... Because, like, the, the, the Dianaga story is crazy. Like, and it's totally unexpected and weird. And just not something that I had ever considered, ever. And this one was a little more like, okay, like, this makes a lot more sense. But it was still cool and interesting. Um, but I like that it all kind of comes from, like, they took their home. <laughs> they came and settled. Yeah, they came and like destroyed their their caves. Yeah, and he like lost it. He was separated from his family because mm-hmm. of it. It's like they're locked up in that little door that three PO tears the sign off of. <laughs> or uh, I also like that at the end of it. Like, first of all, I like that he's like, "Hey, I I I packed some ice around my arm and healed up. It's all good." And then I like that he's like, "Hey, look, it's all calm now. I can reclaim my home." And it's like big and open and nice yeah i'm gonna go get my my family back and we're gonna live in this cave Mm -hmm. it's all good okay torin far story i like this one a lot this was one of the favorite ones that i went back to a few times i this is the one where they're like they're betting on han and leia (laughs) um, han and leia fights in the uh, control room she has a sister yeah this was cool and that was cool for no reason, just because like, hey, now you have somebody and they, they get on the transport and it's it's all about these people that are like doing the job. And then not only that, she's like super good at it. 
And I love how much it adds to, like, because she's literally the only other person, other female in Empire Strikes Back with a speaking <laughs> yeah. line, right? Yeah. And her speaking line is stand by, ion control, fire. But when that gets to that part, you're like, oh, damn. Or at least I was. I thought that no, was cool. No, that, that was neat. I like this. I feel yeah. like this was this is one of those characters that was, like, fun to take. Like, you're not getting, you're not going to build a whole book around this person. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to get a little like, oh, no, this is a person with a story to tell. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, really good at math. And yeah. I thought that is useful. And that's that, to me, is a superpower because I have to help Axel with math in school. And it's very hard for us. Uh, we are not as good with it. Let's see. Okay. This is, like, one of my favorites for sure. Chase Wilsor, A Good Kiss. This is the ice guy. Oh, God. Damn, the, like, this was so good. From the beginning... And he's, like, listening to, like, little self-help, like, inspirational <gasps> mantras in the morning. Like The, the idea yeah. of the loser in the rebellion who has this shitty job that he, like, he's trying to get, like, a good position and he can't because he's, like, not really good at anything. <laughs> like, he has this whole, like, I want to be, like, the hero, like, make me a guard. But he, like, he can't really shoot. He keeps breaking the blasters. He can't really fight. So it's like, but when he becomes the hero, which like in this story, like he kind of becomes the hero, but it's like, it's the thing that he's good. Like he's good at running around and memorizing the corridors of this base. He's good which, at knowing yeah. what people like and, you know, uh, remembering where everything is. Like it was so cool when it happened. Yeah. I, I really liked him. Um, like the, the little bit of romance here is really cute. It's, it's, it's nice. They've done such a good job in the books and basically the books only mm-hmm. of queer representation. I'll add comics. Those count. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't read the comics, but I know, okay. I'll, I know, yeah. I, I, I've heard that you're not a great big Afro fan, but <laughs> she is a big character and has I, her own line. I think in the comics, I would really like her. I just, I couldn't get into that <laughs> radio drama. Like okay. it. Yeah, it it really bothered me. I think I think I'd like her if I didn't have it like in my ear. To be yeah, that's fair. Also, to be fair, she is the biggest jerk, <laughs> and she but she is definitely one of those characters that you like love to hate because she's like every time, every, like every five issues, I'm like, oh okay, she's gonna be all right. What are you doing? Why? Why are you doing this again? <laughs> uh, yeah, I so. think with the separation that you get when like you're reading somebody like third person versus like a first person, like entry log is a very, like I got to try the comics at some point. That's fair. But yes, the representation is great in books. And I hope some of that makes its way on screen soon. Talking to you, Star Wars, Mr. Star Wars, (laughs) Mr. Star Wars. You can give us a little, little, yeah. Cause there's like totally romance. And then like, not only, not only is it like romance, it like, it's almost like corny romance. Like I don't even oh, know what to really call it. Is. But it like like he jumps up, like he goes to see the guy. He's like, oh, I have the crush on the guy that like helps the tauntauns. And the guy is like, well, I'm throwing these bales, and I just had to take my shirt off because it's hot. And I'm like, y'all are on hot. It's never hot. Like, but this is hilarious. No, it was so. It was just. It was really sweet in a very like romance novel kind of way. And again, like like you said, like it's that fact that his skill is getting around the base really fast and in the end that makes him a hero yeah i like that 
And it's, yeah. And I, I love that that's what a few of these are. Like a few of these, like the Hoth ones, the rebel ones, are these like everyday people who are like, no, it's not, it's not Luke Skywalker and Leia. Like it's all of us. Like it's this one. And it's Torin Farr who's really good at math. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like I like that that comes back a few times during the rebel stuff because I feel like that's so important, especially nowadays in life. Y'all stand up. We are the heroes. Uh, okay, Delilah Zawson's Tauntaun story. This one was weird. I I really wanted to like this one because I like Delilah Dawson a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, like, I didn't hate it, but it just didn't, it didn't quite work for me. I thought it was cool, but it definitely didn't, like, grab me in a way that, like, Phasma and other Delilah Dawson books do. Um, like, it's it's well-written. Yeah. But it's just the whole doing something from an animal perspective is incredibly difficult. Because you can't have them be human. Right. But at the same time, you got to make your audience care you about to, them. like, humanize them. But... <laughs> And it's a tauntaun. Yeah, it's a tauntaun. But I feel like this is another one of those things where, like, the whole point of this story is to make you sad when you watch Empire Strikes Back and the tauntaun (laughs) dies. Yeah. Like, because this is a good story. Like, it's, it's, it's like, okay, like, the tauntaun, like, it has, it has a family. It wants a clan. It wants to be outdoors. It loves running. Like, it wants to take care of its people. And it really likes Leia. It's going to help her. (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) You know, and then when you watch the movie, you're like, "Oh, yeah, this is not great." Yeah, and when the taunt, this pretty taunt, taunt is like, "No, I totally trust the humans. The humans are going to be fine to me, mm-hmm. and they're going to like it'll I'm be okay." I'm finally going to get to go outside. This is awesome. This is just <laughs> what I wanted. Don't worry, I have this. Okay, uh, this is another one of my favorites, "The Heroes of the Rebellion" by Amy Ratcliffe, who is also another person I love. This is her like. Star Wars fiction debut, even though she also did Ellie and Me, which I picked up. She did The Jedi Mind and The Women of the Galaxy. I've been a fan of Amy Radcliffe for a long time and like also kind of friends. Like she's such a cool person. And I don't know if you know this, but she's kind of part of our origin story. Like, Oh, really? The first day that we did The Rebels back at like WonderCon 2014 or something. You know, we were doing and we were taking our pictures and walking around our costume. And we stopped to get lunch at the like hotel that's right next door. And she walked up and I knew who she was because I like had followed her work. And she was like, hey, can I take a picture of you guys real quick? Like, I'm going to show Vanessa Marshall. Like, this is going to be really cool. And I was like, I know who that is, too. Yes, take a picture of us. And it was like a picture of us like about to get pizza. So there's like one picture on the Nerdist in 2014, way back in the day. That's like, hey, I found some Rebels cosplayers. And here's my interview with Vanessa Marshall. And that was, like, one of the first pictures that, like, everybody was like, oh, it's a Rebels family. Oh, it's the Rebels family. That's so cool. Like, yeah. And over the years, I see her at all the cons. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? And, like, you know, hang out and stuff. She's hilarious. She's wonderful. She's a brilliant writer. And I'm so happy that she's, like, able to do this stuff now. Like, getting back into this and able to, like, contribute in this way to this universe. Because I know that's something that she's wanted to do for a long time. So this story was dope. And it was about a journalist, which I thought was hilarious. And I, there's so much yeah. of like her in it. <laughs> no, know? but I liked it. And I, because this is another thing that I find interesting. Like I have, do you, have you seen the, um, 
think it was Pablo who did it, the Star Wars propaganda book. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't have it. It's it's really cool. Like and it's it's you know, it's a lot of it is like drawn from like real mm-hmm. world, like propaganda posters and stuff. But I am a sucker for that. Awesome. And so often when you see that stuff, it is like focused on the evil propaganda, but it's like, no, the good guys do that too. Right, right. And so it's it's cool to have that from the perspective of the rebellion that no, this is something they need to do is they need to have these stories and they need to have like rah rah Yay, rebellion. We need to, but I love that also she's like, oh man, like I really did it. Like when I, when I got that rebellions are built on hope, that was like such a good day. (laughs) So it's like, it's also her fault that everybody says rebellions are built on hope. But that also means she's good at her job because she put out that video and everybody was like, man, this is the fire right now. Yeah. Um, Uh, Oh, when she's trying to like talk to like Han and people and like, they're just yeah. (laughs) so crappy to her i have like like the next time what this is like if next time i talk to amy i'm gonna be like yo was this based off it like were you did you get an interview and people were weird (laughs) i'm sure she has so many stories of like doing all the stuff that she's done for nerdist and all that for a while that was something where i was like laughing inside of my head but really enjoying because you know it's over as soon as he's like you know what hey chewy could answer some of these questions right (laughs) and then she's like oh yeah that would be great and i'm like look chewy is a hero and a gentleman but i understand the language barrier (laughs) there's yeah this this was and this is another one that the other it comes around to like she's like trying to get han and luke and leia and like then luke gets wrecked and she's like well i can't talk to him he's in a tube and leia's too busy and like let me just and she's like trying constantly to find that thing to like represent hope until like she's on the transport and she realizes like no it's everybody it's like all of like the guy who just helped me who i was lost and he helped me get off hoth and the pilot right now that's like driving us and like this is another one that gets back to like yo everybody's a hero yeah which is like that's an important through line in star wars it was beautiful and i loved it amy you're wonderful okay rogue two gary witta so Oh, I just, I, (laughs) my favorite part of this story, this one's about Zev. My favorite part about this story is that it makes you think that in the movie, when he smiles, when he's like, I found them, repeat, I found them. He's happy he won a bet. (laughs) (laughs) I did like that. That that was my big takeaway. (laughs) I do kind of feel like this is one where they had the, t- the 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 title and the fact that Gary Wood was writing the story and then everything else kind of came afterwards. Yeah. This it's is definitely fine. This is definitely one where Gary Wood they were like, "Hey, you know, do you are you interested in writing another story?" and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do Rogue 2." Yeah, that's another movie, right? <laughs> it's this guy, the guy that finds him. Yeah, I can do that. I got this. It's a good it's, it's a good one. Yeah, it's fine. It's good. Like it's I good. like I had no objections to it. <laughs> okay. Getting to the dark side stuff. Kindle. This one's about Ozzel, who, the whole time I'm reading this story, I somehow forget that his first name is Kendall until the reveal. <laughs> so this one was like not what I expected at all. I really liked this one a lot. It was interesting. And I think I did go back to this one and I did like it, but I still like it's so weird to me. <laughs> Like, but I, it's one that I keep going back to because I like listening to it again because it's so weird. It is a weird one, but I think, I don't know. Like, look, 
anybody who's listened to like any of my podcasts, like I'm a sucker for the bad guys. Fair. But I also feel like we don't often get like an intimate perspective from them. And I think it's it's valuable yeah. to do these stories of seeing these people who aren't who aren't like, oh, I made a mistake and I really should have been on the other side when they're dying. Like, even when they're right. dying, they're like, you know what? Like, yeah, the Empire was right. Like, mm. they're awful. But I think <laughs> I think we should have that. And I think it's something that needs, that like should be explored and can be explored well. And I think Charles Yu does a good job of it. Like, I think this is a cool, like, the, you know, it's somebody's like dying thoughts. It's yeah. pretty f***ed up. But it, it is dope. And now that you mention it like that, I think that's why it's so weird to me. It's because, like, it takes this bad guy and it goes all the way back to the beginning. It goes so far back that I couldn't figure out what was... I'm like, okay, he's having, like, like that. I, I get what's happening. But then, like, when it happens and the reveal comes, and I'm like, why didn't I remember any of that while I was listening to this? He talked about Kendall the whole damn story. And I've known his name was Kendall Lozzle since, like, 95. <laughs> Like how did I how did I miss this? I think this worked for me because I had I, I I didn't know that, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. it's cool. But it's written in the way so that even me who knew it somehow it, it it made me forget it. You know what I mean? Like it's written in that way, and it's so interesting. And I think that's why because you don't see that that uh, point of view often. Yeah, and 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 you has this sort of like. It, and it makes sense because, you know, it's this guy's giant thoughts. is kind yeah. of like dream-like yes. disconcerting shifts that are happening. And I know I, I really liked that. I thought it was like like a kind of beautiful little story. And like, you know, when he's talking about his fiance who they split up because like she was going to go off and join the rebellion and he was going to stay with the Empire. Like, I thought that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, this is a good one. <laughs> this is very good. I, I, it, I'm gonna keep going back to it because it like fascinates me, and I think it's that dreamlike, the way that he wrote it, and you're, that that's what it is because it's like these dying thoughts. But the way the story weaves is so like, you know, like you have other stories that happen. A lot of books like they take stuff out of order. It's a very like pulp fiction thing, but like, this is done so well, and like. I think dreamlike is the best word that you have said so far <laughs> that I can think of to describe it. All right, what do we got here? Dak. Okay. Oh, this one was, is, this is a yeah. punch in the gut. Yeah. And this was like a little bit of, like, because you know who Dak is. Hey, I feel like I can take on the whole empire myself and all that. And so you're like, okay, this is another one that's going to be really sad, right? <laughs> and then you get to it and you're like, huh. And I, I thought it was interesting that Dak's like, his whole thing is like, you know what? They're gonna they're gonna be all right. I'm a really good gunner, but they're all, they're gonna be all right. I was like, okay, that's 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 not very that's very sad, Deck. <laughs> I'm very sad that we lost you, as I have always been for forty years. But now I'm very sad that you were like you left so much. Like you guys have the hope now. Yeah, the fact that he's just like, like totally fine with dying. Yeah, and he's like like the whole time like. He's very much like, and I'm, I'm, I'm like Luke Skywalker's gunner, y'all. Like, this is cool. And he's just like a kid just like me, you know? Like, I mean, he can do crazy stuff, but like, basically we're the same, <laughs> you know? So I just thought that like his point of view was so bright. I don't know how to say it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
you get that sense of like in the movie when he's like, I feel like I take all the whole empire myself. Like he is that guy. Yeah. They did a good job of making this book about this story about that guy. Uh, Iman Kreff, Beyond Hope, Michael. Okay, this was this was the uh, Michael Marisi story about like the gunners and the people down there, the troopers. This one was like a lot closer to like those battlefront, the, the first battlefront book, like the Alexander Freed one. Oh, okay, I've never and read those. It was not like Michael Marisi has done. I went into this and I was like, okay, this sounds like interesting because of the excerpt. But Michael Morisi did, like, a lot of the Flight of the Falcon comic books, and he did, like, some Clone Wars adventures. And so I was expecting a lot, something a lot lighter in tone. And when I got <laughs> Alexander Freed, I was like, oh, my God, this is the other side of Michael Morisi that I did not know existed. This is like some Saban Private Ryan, man. Yeah, this is, like, super, like, heavy. And then it comes down to, like, the whole thing where they're like, no, you know why we're here, right? We're trying to, like, give everybody time to, you know, survive. And it's like, I like, I like the stories about the soldiers and I like it when Star Wars is like gritty or whatever, but I also like that they're not doing it just because they're like so badass and so hard. Like they're doing it because they believe, even though they're out there going like, yeah, rebellions are built on hope, right? Huh? Like they're out there putting their lives on the line, knowing like they're out there sacrificing themselves for the, to save the dream. In the words and, of Sakura. Yeah. And you know, the fact that they aren't just like, like, oh, I'm so cool and strong. Like, they are scared. Yeah. Like, they are hurt. Like, I think that's, I think that's good to show. That was, yeah, that was interesting. That was cool. Okay, Maxim, uh, Maximilian Veers. Okay, the Veers story for, if it had Veers. So we know it was going to be 10 stars on the Veers watch scale. I don't know if you follow Veer's Watch. I, I do. This this story rocks. Yes. It's awesome. Chrissy Golden is great. The okay. story is like, yeah, it, it's perfect. I love it. It's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And like, it's a shout out to, to Veer. It's a shout out to Veer's Watch somehow. Like, how awesome is that? And Christy Golden, I, you know, dark, you know, I'm all Dark Disciple. So oh, yeah. like, you know, I've been a Christy Golden fanboy since those days. I also dug the, uh, she also did a, what was it? A. Inferno Squad, which uh, on a reread, I definitely picked up a few new things. But yeah, this story is dope. And it's like, it's every bit the veers that you know. He's like, he's over there. He's like targeting the computer. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Like he's getting the message from Vader. Like a lot of the moments that you remember from the movie are really like well done. You know, like his little lines and stuff. Although my favorite moment I don't think is in the story. In the movie, Vader's like, no, that's them. That's the rebels. And then he turns around and Veers is right in his face. <laughs> he like turns around really fast and he's like, General Veers, prepare your troops for a surface attack. In the movie, that's the funniest shot in Empire Strikes Back to me. <laughs> because Vader literally just turns around to whip his face in within like six inches of Veers' face and to give him an order straight in his face. And I find it hilarious. That's just me, though. Those are the things that I pick up <laughs> on 40 years. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Lastock is like they and them calling out Veer's Watch, which was like super, super awesome. And that dude had like the greatest day on Twitter. Yeah. You know, like, so. I, that makes it just like it just elevates it so yeah. much more. It's it's beautiful in and out of universe. Like and, as somebody who 
gets like weirdly obsessed about minor characters and uh, anytime that is rewarded i even if it's somebody i like a character i don't care about at all i'm happy for whoever's character it is emily sometimes isn't not great to be a part of the fandom but <laughs> really? every now and then every now and then there is something that everybody can stand by and smile and uh be proud of that happens in the fandom and that was one of those days yes like everybody just rallied around Veer's watch. Yes, everybody <laughs> said hell yes. That's beautiful. That that's good times. All right, we got uh, what is this? A naturalist on Hoth. Ugh, I did not like this one. This one I thought was interesting because I don't know anything about science and I did not know what to expect. And I was like, okay, it's a person that likes animals. And then the person decided, like, hey, I'm gonna live on Hoth. I got it figured out. And I was like, all right. I mean, that's pretty cool. Although I did like the explanation of like how the like ecosystem of Hoth survives. Because you're like, well, they have an apex predator. So how does that work? Well, the apex predator eats the tauntauns. Where do the tauntauns eat? Just this lichen? Oh, where do these tunnels come from? Like there was a lot of that little stuff that I found interesting in a world building aspect. <laughs> Even if the story yeah. wasn't my favorite. I I will admit I went into this one with not the most open mind because i do not like hank green okay <laughs> but uh, look he seems like a he, like he's probably a very nice guy but he writes books that annoy me and so i was like when i saw this story i'm like <sighs> <laughs> okay so I you, think, yeah. yeah you like know that's another reason i picked you for this is you seem to know authors outside of the star wars universe <laughs> when people were like christy gold is writing this and i'm like oh yeah dark disciple you know, like, <laughs> people were like, hey, Tracy Dion's doing one. And I'm like, who's that? You know, so it took me a while to, like, get the out of universe stuff. And I value that opinion because I only read Star Wars mostly. <laughs> no, I, I mostly read not Star Wars. But also, like, I'm I'm somebody who, like, that's mostly what I do in my spare time is read. Mm -hmm. and so I, I average around 100 books a year. We should get you a b signed up for Book It. Have you heard of Book It? <laughs> Dude, if they had Book It for adults, I would never have to pay for another meal again. For real. I would, I would die from a heart attack, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, so good, so good. Okay, hold on. What's next? What's next? I'm trying to, like, scroll down my show notes, and I think I'm moving Oh, it's the little comic. That was adorable. Katie Cook's art, in general, is always adorable. I think I have... Yeah. It was a cute little comic. And I don't know if you remember the uh, first book had another comic, but I think it was the guy who did like Jedi Academy, those books. Okay. Uh, so, but it's like uh, the other one was like a one panel thing. This one was a little more of a comic strip and it was cute. It was about how the dragon snake was not mean. <laughs> it's just adorable. It's just yeah. one little page. It's like, you know, like six panels. Mm -hmm. It's cute. Any one of them could be a shirt. It's all good. Uh, but we got For the Last Time by Beth Revis. Firmus Piet. So this is the one about Piet. I liked how much of it that, like, not only is he, like, conniving in the, like, how you imagine all the Imperial officer people to be. But he's also, like, like, they took the conniving, they took the spineless, and they took the, like, scared, like, constantly in fear thing, and they made that, like, his power. If that makes I, any sense. Like, it's just him being about Ozzel the entire time, and it's great. 
that's that's a that's another plus. That's and I think this is another one where it also points out is like, yeah, well, uh, the other guy was talking big too, and he got choked out. <laughs> you know, Marty was here. Oh no, General Tag was here, talking all this mess too. <laughs> because uh, if you read the comics, like they literally have like Marty up until the point Vader gets the Executor. Everybody calls it the Executor. I call it the Executor because I feel like that sounds way more metal. And even oh, definitely. Everybody tells me ex- Executor isn't a word. And I understand that, <laughs> but I'm going to keep saying executor because I like how it sounds. Better. One who executes. It totally makes sense. It sounds like awesome. It sounds metal. Executor. It sounds like Piet's ship. Um, Beth Revis's stuff I like because she, uh, she did Rebel Rising, and that's a good book. If you have read that one. Rendezvous Point by Jason Fry. Okay, Jason Fry does like everything all the time. I, he's great. Yeah. I love that Last Jedi novelization so much. Yes. Good. I mean, I mean, it's, it's all of it is good, but that prologue is brilliant and gorgeous and makes me cry and I love it. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about the Last Jedi novelization, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some stuff in there that I, I like I love the extra stuff like even if it's not in the movie I love that story like building and it like they do it in every it's why I've started reading the novelization since like since the last Jedi when they started putting the extra stuff in um because normally I'm like I already seen it like you know I can know a little bit about what uh you know what they're thinking when they get shot but this is a uh, I like this one because they also it feels like the old X-Wing books. I don't know if you ever read those, like the Legends books. Oh, no, I didn't. So there was like a whole series and it was like Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston. And it was like Wedge and his crew and like they're having fun. And like, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's, they're, they're flyboy. It's Top Gun in space. So they're like pranking each other. And like they brought back some of that feeling to me because I got the Alphabet Squadron books and I was like, all right, this is going to be like canon Rogue Squadron. And those are just like, nope, it's Alexander Freed. This is Battlefront with ships, <laughs> you know, which like they're good books, but also like they don't like there's not as much fun as like some of these books. Like they don't have that angle as much, which this story did. Like they went back to like the practical joking and like they explain how the guy's joke kind of messed up because he had to like, you know, he, he he what is it like he's trying to get the like scent glands from the Tauntaun Musk. Oh, okay. But, like, nobody would help him, so he had to do it himself. And then, like, he tried to, like, wash the smell off of him. And then he yeah. used industrial cleaner, and it, like, burned some of his skin off on his hands. It's, like, a whole... And then they end up, like... and But that also turns into a memory, because he's like, oh, this was for, you know, this was for... Is it hobby? Yeah, this was for hobby. You know? And it's, like, then it turns into a sad thing. These... It's a good story with heart. And, yeah, it is. Yeah, Wedge Antilles is awesome. You know, Wedge is sort of one of those characters who was like, because I never, I, like, I never got into the EU books. So for me, Wedge was always just sort of like, Wedge is fine, but he's not like, it's not like he's doing much. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, no, I really like Wedge in this story. Yeah, he has like a, like, because he's always like, in the past stories, he's always such like the voice of reason with everybody else running around and being crazy. And he's kind of that here too. The other guys are pranking and that's all that they're talking about and messing around. And he's just like, well, okay, I get it. And he's like laughing at their jokes, but he's also not, 
like a part of it. Oh, and they threw in a, they threw in one little callback, and I think it's Hubgrub, because he's like, yeah, we got to get the food, you know, because like when they're on the transports, they only have Hubgrub, and that's all they can eat, and they get it in the dining hub, and it's called Hubgrub. But in the Alston books, the joke was there was an they had convinced the Empire. This is going to take a long time to get to this joke. <laughs> they had convinced the Empire that there was an Ewok pilot. And the Imperial Warlord was so, like, like he demanded to know more. And so they were like, how does how does he fly? Like, he has cybernetic extensions on his arms and legs. You know, like, <laughs> he flies an X-Wing. Like, so much so that they kept that running joke through the whole thing. And the saying was, like, the guys in the in the squadron would just be like, yub nub, commander. <laughs> and that was like the saying because they all got the inside joke. And in this one, it's Hubgrub, commander. He's like, come on, we got to get Hubgrub. Hubgrub, commander. And I know that was like a call back to Alston. Oh, that's cute. Which is super the, dope. The other thing that I love Jason Fry for is he makes the canon that they wear space diapers. Which totally makes sense, but has never been talked about before. And I'm like, I love you, Jason Fry. Yeah, and I actually, I tweeted about that being like, we're not talking enough about the fact that they're, that Jason Fry introduced space diapers. And he retweeted me being like, yeah, I was really proud about that. And nobody has said anything. <laughs> I like the other thing that he says where he's like, you know, when you're flying 12 hour, blah, blah, blah. And like the system control doesn't work. When they open your cockpit, they got to like lean back so they don't get too much funk. <laughs> And I was like, that's such a that's such a good like personal touch. All right, they're back from their squadron. Open the thing. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely liked a lot of those touches. Those real pilot touches, I wonder. <laughs> yes. Where 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 is Jason Fry doing his research? That's another question that must be asked now. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh Seth Dickinson, the final order. This oh. is the mysterious Captain Cannon House, which has never been canonized. And now his name is Cannon House, which I find funny. Um, it was cool. And I like how much of his, it was him and his like part, not like lieutenant, whatever. I don't know yeah. what they were, but so much of his thoughts was like, I need to make sure to tw-. like, so, this was the more like imperial person. Everything is the backstabbing and political and the like worry that they're going to backstab you. Yeah. That he gets well, hit by an asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> Going into this, this was the story I was most excited for because Seth Dickinson does like really intricate political fantasy. Mm. And um, he does this, I, I can't remember what the series is called, but the first book in it is called The, um, the Traitor Baru Coromont. And it is like the most dense, like, political thriller fantasy I've ever read and I love it and I love him and one of the other reasons I was so excited when this was announced is a couple of years ago I had uh, I had lunch with Tom who works for Star Wars Delray mm-hmm. and because he got you know he likes to like he lives in New York too and like he says he likes to you know talk to fans whenever he mm-hmm. can and we're friends on Twitter and he asked me, like, who are your dream Star Wars writers? And I told nice. him Seth Dickinson. And then I look and, like, I, like, like obviously, he's, <laughs> like, an incredibly, like, well-known writer within the sci-fi fantasy community. But also, I like to pretend that I'm the reason he's in this book. Look, I'm, I'm for it. Like, I like Tom. <laughs> Tom's a good guy. But you, I'm giving you all the credit, okay? 
So thank you very much, uh, Emily, for bringing Seth Dickinson to the Star Wars uh, writer-verse question mark. It's just, yeah, it is just a cool story because it is like him, this, you know, this character like fighting between like his own like paranoia about his commanding officer and like trying to look at her motivations and like the the idea that you like obviously like in the empire you can never trust anybody and you can never really know what anybody is trying to do and it's fun i love that that's why i love like like spy thrillers and all sorts of like weird political yeah drama i'm I'm looking forward to cassian also yes (laughs) (laughs) another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Uh, da, da, da. Amara kills rules for Thai pilot survival. Probably Django Wexler. This one was good. I like this one. And I, I think it's because the uh, audiobook, like the uh, it was Emily Wu Zeller. And I think her performance of it was really good. Like, so this one was one that I had fun with. It's a fun story. Yeah, it's definitely fun. And it's definitely like, this was another one where I was like, oh, when Star Wars gets sexy, I sometimes I'm like, oh, who, who said that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's like a scene in like, what is it? It's Is it Lost Star? Like some of the young reader books <laughs> sometimes get a little sexy. And I'm like, oh, who's reading this? <laughs> who's, who, who said that? And then this story got a little bit sexy and I was like, so that's me. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I think in reality, they don't get any more sexy than like the movies do. But like, because you're reading it, like it means like your imagination like <laughs> can make it more sexy than it is. That's fair. When really it's probably not any more than like the Han Leia kiss or anything like that. Yeah. But it's just like that. Then the inside of like they describe things so well where you're like, <gasps> I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, the first lesson, Jim's up. I was not a fan. I like that they kept a little bit of, because the, the story in the first book is that Yoda wants to train Leia. And I like that they kept some of that as well. And oh, okay. also the worries of like, uh, he's, he's just like his damn father. <laughs> like a lot of that, worry is the stuff that I enjoyed. I, I think for me, it's just like, I can't, I, I just think it's annoying to read something that is predominantly like Yoda syntax. Ah, that's fair. <laughs> you, you can't wait for the Yoda High Republic book, huh? Oh, <laughs> Yoda's first person oh, high republic book. Oh my god, a whole novel like that. I think I I I I I think I would bail after like two pages. It would be good times. Okay, disturbance, Mike Chen. This one was cool and crazy. This was cool and I am normally like I'm not like the biggest Palpatine fan. Like I think he's a cool bad guy, but I don't want to know more about him cuz I think it ruins it. Okay. But I thought this I thought this was like the right amount. 
I love I love Crazy Four stuff, of course. But I also love that it turns their like like I love the stuff that goes behind their conversations, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it ter- takes that conversation of like how can that be? Search your feet like every time they fight is a battle. You know? Like and it's a fight for dominance with this dude. And I like how much this adds and how much this like puts on that. Yeah, like knowing like I I I haven't like I I haven't rewatched Empire since reading this book, but I want to go back to that scene because I think the idea of him having this vision and then how he relates to Vader afterwards is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I did go back and watch Empire and I watched everything in the background and I was like cheering when she was like, the first transport is away. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. And when, uh, you know, Captain Cannon Haas gets hit with an asteroid, I was like, there he is. There he is. Bye. Uh, and I did go back to, I do like going back to the movies. These, And that's a win for the book, right? <laughs> if it makes me want to go back yeah. to the movie. Okay, uh, this is no cave. Sayo, it's about by Catherine M. Valente, and it's about the space worm. I didn't fucking get this story, man. Okay. I like this one better than the other animal stories, and I okay. think it's because it's weird to force such stuff, and like the idea that she lives for a millennia and like all that stuff was this part that I liked. Weird force stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. So I like maybe because I don't love weird force stuff. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, eh. Like it, again, I don't think it was badly written. It mm-hmm. was just one of those like when you know when you're reading something and you're like, oh, this is just not for me. Yeah, this is not for me. I get it. Uh, yeah, it's it's totally like weird force stuff. And then also like, I like this. I like the eternal spin on it because like the idea is that these exogors live for millions and eons. And then how that connects to the weird story. Like, she can tell. One, it's weird that she can hear what they're saying inside of her. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. And then two, it she can tell, like, like that Leia's different. Like, so I like that, like, that force connection. Like, she was able to identify, like, and I like that that spin of, like, how different beings and different creatures. But I like the, the voice that, once again, we come into, you're humanizing something that's not human. Like, that separate voice is always slightly interesting. But mm-hmm. I like this one, how it was also very, like, I don't even know how to say it. Godlike, like, e- eternal. Yeah, I think I think it is, like, it's definitely, it feels like you're reading from, like, an alien being. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lord Vader will see you now, John Jackson Miller. Ray Sloan. Awesome. Like, I was going to love this anyway. Like, I like her. She's cool. Put her in the movies or a TV show, please. I love how much, like, in Ray Sloan's story now, like, there's a lot of how much she's learned from all of her. Like, that's what she's, like, taking, right? She's becoming this, like, ultimate Grand Admiral because she learned from Tarkin and she learned from the, the I forgot, the bad guy in A New, Ho- uh, in a new Dawn. Uh, and she trained with Vader. And now they're, like, throwing a little bit of Thrawn in there. But, like, when she puts everything together and, like, solves the mystery in a very Thrawn-like way, it was really cool. And I love how confident she is in everything she does. Yeah. And when it's just like, suck it, Piet, you suck. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Say, oh, bring it. Yeah. Right, bring it right here. Yeah. No, this, is this what you're talking about? Yeah. That's a blaster burn. Uh. No, Lord Vader knows what a blaster burn is. 
I, lo- I love <laughs> I love how much of it was just her walking in. Because, like, the whole battle is him being like, oh, well, you're in such big trouble. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. Besides, I got this. So that was cool. And I just, yeah, the character of Ray Sloan is dope. Having her back is dope. And having her back in the hands of John Jackson Miller was really dope. Uh, Virgins by Tracy Dion. This is another weird one. This is the cave one, right? Yes. This is I, uh, yeah. I, okay. I don't, I just, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> I'm try- it made me feel stupid. <laughs> it's, it's just weird for stuff, but now it, it's like almost, because the cave has a voice now, the cave is sentient, and it was first person, which I didn't expect. Because I knew it was going to be about the cave, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a cool story about about how crazy it is in the cave. But it was literally the cave being like, hey, I've been here a while. <laughs> stuff is crazy. Um, I did like it because, once again, weird for stuff. And I like the idea that the cave also feeds off the emotions of the beings that enter the cave. So that's yeah. interesting to me. Okay. No, I like I liked that the cave was sort of like resentful when when the cave learns that it's like being used as a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very like am I a joke to you moment. <laughs> yeah, there's there's it's interesting. I like weird force stuff, so that's another one. I haven't gone back to it, but I think I will in the future. All right. Tooth and Claw, Michael Coggy. Bosk. I thought this one was fun. I think it was, this is a weird thing to say for a story that is like in reality, not very long, Mm -hmm. but relatively like to some of the other stories in here felt a little bit too long for me. It was one that I felt like, like, I'm like, okay, it's Bosk. And then I go into it and it's like Bosk doing what Bosk does. And I'm like, okay, look, it's another Bosk adventure. But when the chain breaker thing comes, the twist, I was like, oh, like it became infinitely more interesting to me. Yeah, it just takes like it takes a yeah. little too long to get there. But yeah. I thought that was cool. I loved all this stuff, like the the that's talking about the Trent Oceans versus the Wookies. Yeah, like I thought it was really interesting. I like a little bit of like Trent Ocean culture that I don't know anything about. But I'm like, oh, that sounds like a really shitty way to live. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds savage as hell. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought the twist was really interesting. So now, yeah. but now it's like, I, now I just want a story about what happens next about the twist. Like, I don't want a story like, you know what I mean? Like, I, okay, I got Bosk in Adventures. Can we go on now? I would read like a chain breaker story. Yeah, for sure. Quite happily. That sounds dope. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but I, the first Daniel Jose Older story in a certain point of view, the other one was about a stormtrooper who likes a do who likes dobacks. And I was like, okay, like, what do I need to read this? And I swear, I think I've listened to that more than any other thing because it's 25 minutes long and it is hilarious. And the voice, like the voice that Daniel Jose Older writes in, like speak, like, I love that it speaks to me. So this one is Stet and it's like an article written by a guy that's being edited by an editing robot and also live broadcast. And it is hilarious to me. I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, I, I like it too. Like, look, I wouldn't, like, certainly I wouldn't want to read a whole novel in this format. Fair. Um, I, I, I kind of want to, 
I want to check out the audio just for this because I'm sort of interested to see how they do it. Because in like in the physical format, it's done sort of like you would get in an edited Word doc where like you see a highlight yeah. thing and then off to the side is the comment. But it's it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. It's like weirdly violent. Yeah, it's crazy and it's like it's ridiculous. It's like out of the gate, it's ridiculous. They're interviewing Zuckus and Forlom about their charitable efforts for a moon that like was destroyed 150 years ago. So at one such point, a good, such yeah, a great idea. At one point, they're like, "Well, the moon was destroyed like 150 years ago. Like those kids, those starving kids, must be really old or dead by now." Um. So, like, some of that kind of stuff in there and, like, the interviewer, like, uh, the editing, the the voice, the battle between the editor and the writer is hilarious. Because half of it is like, oh, okay, like, this is a little bit more, like, can you take out some of these quotation marks and stuff like that? And then at one point, like, they're, they're, they go to a... <laughs> they, 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 they have an interview over, like, dinner, so they're going to a restaurant and they have to, like, take off all their weapons and then Forlom says something like, well, I am a killing machine or something like that. And they're like, then you can't come in. And he's like, I'm just joking. And then there's like, <laughs> side note, I am also a killing machine because I'm trained in 17 martial arts. And I'm like, oh, God, I know seven, I know people like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like the note on the thing is like, delete. I'm a killing machine because I know 17 different kinds of martial arts. Um, audio, they do it where a robotic voice basically comes and reads the notes. So it's like two okay. voices. So it is interesting, but I feel like on the page it works better. Cause you see like on the page where you see stuff crossed out is where like, it'll go through the thing and what it says for the audio. It'll be like, uh, you know, I am the deadliest warrior with blah, blah, blah. And then the other voice comes in and says, delete. I am the deadliest warrior, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay. But that makes sense. It's funny because what what helps it work on audio is the attitude that the droid starts having when it said delete this. Like at one point, it's like delete grandpa, delete grandpa, delete grandpa. <laughs> but it's like a droid voice, delete grandpa. Like for all the edits that they're making, and it's uh it's really well done. It's really hilarious. I have no idea where you come up with an idea to get weird like this, but I love these silly fun takes on star wars well again like that's the advantage of like a short story anthology is you can you can take risks like that because it's yeah. you know it's like a 15 page story i love it i love i love daniel jose older stuff like oh he's great yeah i can't wait give me that comic book i want that high republic okay here we go <laughs> wait for it zoraida cordova boba fett I know you are not the biggest fan of Broba Fett stories, <laughs> as I've heard you on Twitter announce and your podcast. I will yeah. say, let me just start off. I like this one better than the other one. Uh, it's the better than book. the other one. Um, I definitely like that the virtue of patience and also the connection to like the OG Boba Fett. Like there's one point where it's like, you know, Bosk was like, what's up, Boba? And he's like, how many times do I have to tell him? It's not Boba. It's Boba Fett or Fett. I'm not a kid anymore. And it's him running into people that he knows. And that like that, you know, Boba Fett works alone. Boba Fett, like now he's got this reputation to protect and he's such a badass. But some of these guys still treat him like, hey, 
come on, man, we used to be a crew. And he's just not about that life anymore. So some of like the interactions I really liked. And then the idea that he also knows them so well that it's so easy to like double cross them. I dug. Yeah, it it didn't annoy me as much as the one in the first book. <laughs> That's all which, I can ask. <laughs> like, look, I I know what they were going for with that, but it's like it just never like I couldn't I couldn't like I like, like I know the joke they were going for, I know what they intended, but I'm like, oh, this is not working for me. <laughs> this one works a little bit better, although it is still weird to read, like especially rereading it after we've seen Boba in. Right the Mandalorian where I'm like, Oh, this is just like, I mean, this is basically like a robot chicken sketch of Boba Fett. (laughs) I like that. um, Let's see. Reading it is infinitely better than listening to it because every time I listen to it, it's John Hamm and he sounds nothing. Like when I read it, it comes alive so much more because all I can hear is the galaxy was like, all I hear is Fett. But when I read it, and it, when I listen to it in the car, and it's John Hamm going like, Boba Fett was waiting, whatever, Bosk. And it's like John Hamm doing a John Hamm thing. And, and I, yeah. I, yeah, I love John Hamm. John Hamm's performance, and look, he's, he, like, he's got a job, he's doing it. Like, he's probably doing exactly what they wanted him to do. But his reading of it is mostly why it is Boba Fett. <laughs> and it's another thing that's like, okay, like, I don't understand how this happened. I don't know who to blame like I, I know thank you for Seth Dickinson I don't know whose fault this is like who like it's cool right it's funny that John Hamm is coming to do this it, it, maybe he just really likes Boba Fett <laughs> like he's like hey there's audiobooks and they're looking for people I'll do one yeah I'll come back for that yo we got John Hamm again okay <laughs> he sounds nothing like Boba Fett and he doesn't ever try to sound like Boba Fett and in the other story yeah. it's kind of first person so like you never get a you never you never get out of that voice. So in this story, he literally does Bosk's voice and does Dengar's voice and then I'm like, but you couldn't do a Boba Fett accent. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's parts where I'm yelling at the car. Um but it's also hilarious because it's John Hamm, and then yeah, yeah, if you picture it in your head, it does become a robot chicken sketch. <laughs> we are John Hamm, and then you look at Tamara Morrison, and you go, there's a pretty big disconnect here. Yeah, yeah. Even if you just listen. I'm like, you couldn't even get D? <laughs> like, what happened here? Why did it happen? Okay. Alright, uh, let's move on. Star- Standard Imperial Procedure by Charwa- Sarwat Chada. I hope I said that correctly. This This is about the guys who were like, look, we can't take it with us, so if it's parked in here, like, the guys who have to run over the uh, hangar of the Imperial Hangar Bays when bounty hunters' ships called Slave One are parked in them. It's weird until it gets sad. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, because this is the one where they're, like... They're like following all the procedure because they're like, well, these bounty hunters aren't going to ride with us, so we're just going to throw this ship out and like, haha. Yeah, and, and like, this is like the like with the with the imperial who had been like busted down in rank, right? Is that this yeah, one? Yeah, because he didn't follow procedure once. Yeah, I I ended up really liking this guy, and then I was really sad at the end because he <laughs> yeah, just killed my boyfriend. But I love like the the like once you figure out what like 
there's the moment where he sees he's like in the hangar and they're doing their job and he he's like the leader of that crew right so he's like hey we got to make sure to do everything by procedure i got in trouble once i used to be in the navy and now i'm doing garbage whatever you know and he keeps telling them to follow the rules and it's like because he got busted down and then he sees oh did my dog just snore okay he sees the he sees the falcon they're in the and he looks out the window yeah. and he's like, that's the Falcon just stuck to the wall. <laughs> like, what is that, a landing claw? And he's like, oh, I guess I should I have to bust this up. Like, I have to call our commanding officer, right? That's how this goes up the chain. And then the other guys are like, no, 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 wait. We can, like, if we split the bounty and stuff. Then Boba Fett gets there and he tries to make a deal with Boba Fett. And then you're like, oh, no. Don't ever try to make a deal no, with Boba Fett. Not this Boba <laughs> And then he dies. And then you're like, the one time that he thought about not following procedure, like he literally dies because he tried to, if he would have called his commanding officers, it would have been fine. And then he's in, like, he throws him in one of the decommissioned ship that gets thrown out into the vacuum, right? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, like the guy didn't drain the power cells. Oh, no, he did. He did his job. And now I'm screwed. <laughs> like, <laughs> he finally for once did his job. Yeah, and that means like, I'm going to die now. And that sucks. Yeah, so it was, was, a, it was a very sad story about Mr. Carl Ashen. Um, very sad. <laughs> the guy who was just doing his job. Okay. There is Always Another by Mackenzie Lee is about Obi-Wan Kenobi who's dead and still is over it and can't get past Skywalker. <laughs> uh, this was, this I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I was going to. I was like, what is a ghost Kenobi? St-? Like, is he just going to be there, like, watching Luke train and being like, mm, all right, good job. But I like yeah. it. If you just told me, like, the idea of this story, I don't like the story. But in actuality, I thought it was a lot. I thought it was fun. And I do like that he's just like, this, these stupid jerks that I have to work with all the time. We're <laughs> always doing dumb stuff. If they would just listen and not do dumb stuff, everything would be fine. I like how much he connects, like, how much Luke connected to Anakin, like, in him. Like, from his point of view, he's like, this is the same conversations I had. Like, he connects this little floppy-haired kid making dumb decisions to the floppy-haired kid that he did his best, you know, with 30 years ago. And that stuff, like, gives it a lot of heart in a weird way. Like, Mm -hmm. that makes me think, like, how sad it is that this dude is trying his best. And he's and like and, and this doubles and it doesn't double down on it, but it, I think there's another part in here where he's like, you know, that's how it is with chosen ones. You got to do your best. <laughs> and I just love that like line and uh, probably how much it pisses off certain people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that I enjoy. And I thought this was a good story, and it like it really made me feel for Obi Wan and Anakin, like which is not what I expected out of it. No, you know. And he's, like, dealing with the same stuff 30 years later and dead. <laughs> okay, Jackson's story. Fake it till you make it by Kevin Scott. Okay, how are you a fan of Jackson at all? Okay, Jackson is somebody I sort of, like, I knew who Jackson was only because it's one of those characters where you go, go get this ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. But I really liked his story. What it did you think? It was a good story. I thought it was good, and I thought it was, like, a love how it takes a thing where he's like, ah, oh, there's Lando and all his stuff. Like he's going and he's trying to top Lando at his own game. And he's like, well, I'm going to do the job. 
And then you find out Lando was trying to help these people, like, you know, like these uh, uh, refugees, like, find a safe place. And then so he's like, oh, well, if Lando wasn't going to charge you, then I'm not going to charge you. And he's, like, literally being, like, the best guy he could be, even though he thought he was trying to be the jerk that he thought Lando was. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I think it's just fun. Like, I, I, him, like, trying to, like, be BS his way, like past everybody and it's just uh, it was a fun story i like kevin scott i'm looking forward to his high republic novel yeah yes 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 definitely that um i also i like dooku jedi lost and i also like that kevin scott made it canon that when he was a kid everybody called him do (laughs) so so everybody knows that right now if you didn't uh, listen to my uh, podcast on that everybody calls him do yeah it's certainly a choice (laughs) okay but what does he eat by S.A. Chakraborty? Chakraborty. I don't know which one is correct. Uh, this is about Toro Sabazel, the chef on Cloud City, who Lando comes and says, you need to make food for Vader right now. I liked it a lot. This was a good one. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, go. <laughs> I, I kind of like that there's not like a big resolution where, like, they're going to do some, like, stupid heroic thing. And instead it's like, nah, like, we just kind of got to do this. And, like, trying to poison Vader or something, like, we don't even know if he does eat. We don't even know who he would accidentally kill along the way. So, <laughs> yeah. <I'd... laughs> but I love how that's, like, the whole thing. They're like, we could do, we could do this. We could be heroes. And then they're like, well, we don't even know if he eats, dude. <laughs> like... We don't even, and then like at first when she's thinking about it, like she's like, should I just make, should I make a liquid? Does it, what if he can't get it through the vent? <laughs> you know, like there's a lot of interesting little things that I just thought were weird, but also like the description of the food. I don't like my daughter is now a training to be a chef. So I don't know, in the, my past couple of years, I think I'm learning how to appreciate food more than growing up when I was like, what are you going to eat? Ramen again? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I still eat ramen every day, but that's fine. You know, I, I, I appreciate it more. I throw more frozen veggies in there. That's good. Mm-hmm. When Lizzie was here, now she's closer to you. When she was here, she would throw me like a half soft boiled egg, a little Ooh. bit of ham. Like it was good stuff. Cut green onions. But like when I cut the green onions, they're just cut green onions. When she cut them, they were like very fancy and very thin. Cause she was like, oh, I need to practice my julienne cuts or I'm probably, you know. Yeah. Don't hit me. Don't at me on Twitter with all your correct julienne cuts of green onions because I don't know what You're it is. doing like a chiffonade. Yeah. Send all that to Star Wars Geek Girl. <laughs> Give that to her. This was a cool story. I enjoyed it. Uh, Beyond the Clouds by Lilium Rivera. This was the girl who wanted, Isabelia, who wanted to be a bounty hunter. At first I was like, uh, okay, like, and it, cause it was just her being like, I'm going to be cool. And I got a new outfit to be cool in. And like, I'm going to be a bounty hunter. And then it turned into like, well, like for what, like, who are you helping? And then it was kind of cute at the end. So I liked it. Okay. Yeah. And it's a sweet little story. And it's interesting to kind of explore cloud seed city a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I like the, uh, yeah. like she's got her, her friend, one friend that runs like the poker tables and then the other friends are like in the union or something. And there's like 
whole labor strikes happen. Like, I like some of the world building stuff that a lot of these books do, or a lot of these stories, you know, that just add to all those people running around with werewolfhood. Uh, okay, No Time for Poetry, Austin Walker. Okay, this is Dengar and IG-88, and it's just as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be. It's pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. And I thought it was funny. I, I think the, the, like, the IG-88 voice is really spot on and good. I like Dengar having to, like, argue the stuff with the droid. And, like, how much of it just, like, the personality of Dengar, now that he has a little bit more of a personality... You know, with the Clone Wars episodes and stuff like that. I like that. I like the buddy cop movie that they make. <laughs> that makes any sense. Like, that's no, a good No, it pair. totally does. Yeah, it was you know? fun. Okay. Uh, Bespin Escape, Martha Wells. This is about Ugnaughts who are trying to escape. And this one I did like a lot. And it was really cute. And like, they're like, they're, they're, they're like families. They're little clans of families. And they're, like, trying to find a way off. And, like, the ship that they were going on, like, left without them or something. And they're, like, trying to find another uh, ship. And there's one jerk who's, like, maybe an Imperial uh, informant. But it was really cute. And it was Ugnaughts. And as I'm reading it, I can picture the Ugnaughts running around and doing all these things. All these little spy capers and trying to save each other. So in my head, it was adorable. Yeah, I I liked it. Uh, I think... Because after um, uh, Quill on Mandalorian, I'm like, I kind of like, I want to know more about the Ugnaughts. And then we get more about the Ugnaughts. Yeah, we get a lot more. And it was, it was, it was heartwarming. This was a heartwarming yeah. one. Okay. Martha Wells is fun. If you like her, she does this uh, series of novellas called The Murderbot Diaries, which is about this like uh, murderbot and how she is like sort of stuck with this cute this this group of humans who she hates and resents but then like they keep being nice to her and stuff and she's really annoyed <laughs> by it and they're a lot of fun that sounds infinitely is- interesting uh thank you emily for giving me a non-star wars book recommendation <laughs> i'm afraid i probably can't do the same for you but i will keep that in mind uh let's see okay faith in an old friend by Brittany oh. and williams this was really good. It, this this one like legitimately made me cry. Okay, there and this is another like this is another one of those like kind of touchy things because like you know like oh like L 3s in the Falcon now and like that kind of sucks, but the way that they like added in there that like as part of the Falcon she like separated the Falcon so that the Falcon could have its own identity as well. And like together the millennium, the millennium collective, cause it sounds cool. And like one of the, like the, the personalities of the droid brains was really well done. And the Treadwell, I like the Treadwell guy. Um, but yeah, it was really well done and it, and it really gave, and it gives you this part when Lando comes back, you know, her, her reaction when she realizes that Lando is on the ship and is like like trying to to make him realize that she's still in there oh yeah. oh my heart this this was really they captured her voice really well L3's voice and that's something that i hope comes back like if they if that Lando series has L3 which there's no reason it should not because L3 is a super interesting and awesome character. 
Yeah. Um, I hope it's captured as good as this. You know what I mean? All right. Camtono Boy, Do on Batu, Rob Hart. It is about Will Rowe Hood. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little Hood story. Yeah. A little, a little uh, you know, backstabbing adventure of them trying to, like, run with the valuable Camtono thing. And I love that it's very much like Pulp Fiction. They never tell you what's in the Camtono. No, because that's not, it's not, like, it doesn't matter. It's exactly. It's, it's an important thing. <laughs> it, it is it is the Pulp Fiction thing. All right. Into the Clouds by Karen Strong. This is about Jalen Siri, who is like an heiress to uh, whatever, Tabanagas family. And she's like inspired by Leia. And then she finds Leia there. And then like she starts thinking about being rebellious. Yeah, and yeah, because the idea is that it's like it can't just be, hey, you think Leia is pretty and neat, but actually like get inspired by what Leia represents to people. I thought it was like it was this was a one that was like a little slow for me to get into because I'm like, okay, she's shopping because she looked out the window and looked at the like creatures, but once it like starts gets going, like I thought it was really interesting. Like on a on a re listen, like when she learned like when she's shopping is when they're like oh i fitted leia for a cape like this too and she's like like and that's when she starts like thinking and looking and like being intrigued by leia and then later when like that stuff starts paying off is when i thought i was like oh man this is kind of cool like i like that they take the idea of these people how they somehow get inspired like it's a little bit of that hoth magic rubbing off over here on cloud city yeah because i mean there are so many people who who of course like aren't in the rebellion or in the empire and like have no idea what this war really is. And then when they're confronted with it, they got to make their choice. And I like those stories. Yeah. Those are, those are cool. And I like the, like, I guess like slice of life might be the word for it. Like, like these stories of these people. Uh, That's the thing. I also think that like star Wars resistance did really well. They had a lot of those like stories. They were a little bit more about like the inhabitants of the, uh, the, the that were living on that space station so yeah. yeah i enjoy those kinds of things okay the witness by adam christopher this is about a stormtrooper who sees <laughs> luke and vader fighting although that's not really what it's about but it happens <laughs> yeah like really it's about her like coming to terms with like realizing she's a stormtrooper and maybe that's not great but well i guess it's like because she's also the one that like tortures han right like her and her partner yeah she's like look i didn't press the buttons but i just stood there or something like that i can't remember and it's like because like he like her like the guy she's paired with like really enjoys it and she's like well that's not great sign that's weird like oh yeah like he wanted to be a death trooper and all this like you know um there's there's like a lot of like, it, it walks this line of, like, oh, like, you get to see it from that side. And then you see her, like, have this sort of turn of where she's like, well, I should leave. And then you also have these weird spaces of, like, well, she didn't know where to go, so she crawled in the ducks. And now she's looking out a window and she's, like, seeing Luke and Vader fight. And then you had that whole part. And then you have, like, I did like that part of her, like, leaving was, like, in all the chaos. She literally just took her armor off and she had her, like, undersuit on. Like, and I know that doesn't sound, that might not be interesting to non-cosplaying people, 
but I found that super interesting. I'm like, yeah, that's what you would do. You would take all, you would have your like little undersuit. The only difference is Finn had a jacket, <laughs> you know, but I thought that was cool. Yeah, I liked her. Like, I thought she was a neat character. It was, yeah. She had it, like, I like I like her, and then I also like her, see, like, especially with that, uh, the other character who's, like, the uh, zealot, like, the, oh, he's a believer, or whatever she says. You know, the one that's like, oh, I wanted to be a death trooper and all this. So I like that you also get to see some of the others and how those Imperials, like, range. They're those people that are so, like, into it. Ah. <sighs> Not like that has any bearing on reality, right? <laughs> but I digress. The Man Who Built Cloud City by Alexander Freed. Okay. I was not expecting... I don't know what I was expecting. But I did not expect this to be what Alexander Freed. But I, I liked it. It was super interesting. And it was like another one of those weird ones where uh, the half of the story, I'm like, what what is happening? Like, I don't know what's happening, but then I really liked it. Yeah, and it's like end, this guy who, <laughs> it's guy, it's this guy who, who thinks that he is like the emperor of Cloud City. Yeah. And I, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it's like, a, it's like it, at the end, it turns into this sweet little, like them making their last stand and you know, it's going to end badly. But I thought yeah. it was, like, I, I, it's not, again, like, like you said, it's not what I was expecting. Right. Well, to be fair, I've only read Star Wars Alexander Freed. So, like, I've read the Rogue One novelization and Battlefront and, like, that's, you know, and the Alphabet Squadron books. Well, no, but I was, like, when when I heard Alexander Freed's story, I thought, okay, it's going to be, the, it's going to be, like, soldiers or a fighter pilot or something right. like that. And, and it's not that at all. Yeah, not at all. And then this is another weird one where it's, like, like, they never really get out of like like he he thinks he's the emperor we never find out like okay is he really the emperor or like what like like so at the end of the story like you could kind of go either way is like the guy who's like his friend is he just like his friend who's like who just really likes him or is are they really the emperor and this assassin you know because the guy ends up like one okay i'm your best assassin like any sort of like buys into this question mark that may or may not be a fantasy yeah i think it like i think you're supposed to think it's fantasy but it is a very like it is a it's a it's like don quixote like i mean very much a don okay. quixote yeah. thing like it's the it's you know it's the guy who who has imagined himself to be this great hero and then at the end he kind of becomes that even if not in the way that he thinks right that's yeah that's what i liked about it i think like the way that they told the story, the way that Alexander Freed told the story, but then like the payoff that you sort of get from it. Uh, it's, it's a ride for sure. I did like this one quite a bit. And that's, but I think this is another one that I keep, like, I'm going to need to keep going back to this one to like get more out of it. If that makes sense. No, I get that. I can't scroll. There we go. The backup backup plan by Ann tool. This one is like after the movie. This is like the people still on there that are like fighting for, you know, fighting against the occupation, which is like pretty cool. This one was like pretty good. I don't remember. Uh, I don't. I didn't go back to this one, but I do remember I enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't. I got to say it's not one that has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. 
and it's also one of the ones where it's like also uh they did like she's the person they're basically like well we're here because lando you know had to make his stupid deal and where is he like part of the story they're like yeah well well, the people that are supposed to lead us are gone so it's us now and i like the idea of that because that's another thing that you find yourself dealing with in real life too much who's supposed to get us out of this mess smart people who's in charge not smart people apparently (laughs) yeah yeah it's worse kind of stuck here it's bad times uh the right oh right hand man by lydia kang this one i liked way more than i thought i was gonna like it because i was like okay it's about a medical droid it ended up being really good yeah yeah it's a medical droid he's given he's given lucas robot hand and he's a cool little medical droid i like him he's like i love the idea of droids like because the uh, like the idea i take from it is in star wars like they wipe their minds periodically because they just it, they're these inanimate objects and they're always given a fresh slate because they are nothing but the more you don't do that the more the droids find and build a personality and inner like you know like ig11 becomes what kuil taught him you know r2d2 is this like funny little guy because he's never been wiped you know and c3po has developed all kinds of worry because all he does is go on adventures that he's not supposed to be on you know what I mean? So, like, the idea that this medical droid is just sitting there and he's been talking with patients so long that at some times he's like, look, I'm not a poet, but if I was going to say something, it would be something like this. I really enjoyed some of his insights and also his insights on, like, huh, that's weird. His sister kissed him and now he's like, his heart rate went up. <laughs> like, that was a little like, oh, God, he didn't say sister, but, you know, good times, that medical droid. I thought it was a good, like, twist and not what I expected from the medical droid at all. No, I liked it. And I was not expecting to like it. Yeah. Uh, the Will Strike Back. Okay. Like, this is the one that, when the first book was coming out, I was like, oh my god, dude, this is going to be so dope. We're getting a Will story. And then when I got it, I was like, okay, that's... That's on me. That was that was my bad for trying to build that up into something that uh, but I really had fun with it. And this is also something that I can put on for road trips in the car. And the kids love the ones, too, because it's basically two voice actors yelling at each other on audiobook. You know what I mean? Uh, So this one is just as good and hilarious as the first one. Because it is like like, the idea. It's kind of like. Someone who is in Star Wars versus somebody who like knows what Star Wars is writing about Star Wars. Yeah. Cause there's this like Kirk and Spock name drop, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the like out of universe, like thoughts, you know. And then the other thoughts that are hilarious is like that name drop, and then the other guy's like, "Who's that? I don't know what that is." <laughs> like, okay. You know, uh, it's just it's just fun. It's just good, hilarious fun. And it's like Tom Engelberger is a dude who did those origami Yoda books that like Lizzie read. So, oh, okay. like that makes sense. Um, But I just I really have fun with it. And the, I like I love the idea because I think part of what ruins Star Wars is when people take it too seriously. 
You know what I mean? And if you can't have fun with your things like this, then like, then you're just going to get mad. And yeah. And yeah, yeah it is kind of like, a, Hey, here's the, like you are just reading a book and I'm now going to comment on the book that you just read. Cause it's a book. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's exactly what people, what, what do you mean? Why are you saying that part? Like, wait, you're not putting this part. Like, you know, like it's literally a commentary on us. I feel <laughs> Uh, and I just like, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. And I, I like when Star Wars doesn't take itself too seriously and when they can just get away with random, ridiculous, fun stuff like this and, uh, Daniel Jose Older's books about a stormtrooper who runs away with a Dubak. Uh, I, it's my favorite thing. So yeah, this, yeah, this is definitely a dope story. This is definitely a good collection of books. What else do I have? Illustrations by Chris Trevis. I like the minimalistic little yeah just like they're just sort of like little silhouettes for your story of like whatever the story is it's very easy to like uh you know if you're me it's very easy to like you try to photoshop your own little fake ones and be like look at the boss story or whatever (laughs) (laughs) i think i did that during the first one but i think the ones that stick with me for sure is like the uh the the kid who delivers ice uh Amy's book about the journalist, Kendall, Christy Golden's Veer story, of course. Like, the, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I think there's definitely, like, a range. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even the ones I didn't like aren't necessarily awful. Like, some of them, like, I felt like are just maybe, like, a couple pages too long. Mm-hmm. But... No, overall, like, going back and talking through it, I'm like, oh, no, I liked more of these than I thought I did. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's the, like, I like anthologies generally because of that reason. Like, even if it's, you know, there's going to be ten stories in this thing, at least I like two of them, or three of them, or five of them, you know. So I always feel like it's a good strength to have. But, um, yeah, with 40 of them, like, you're going back through it, and you're now, and you're like, oh, no, like, I have 20 favorites now. Like, what did I just name? I just named, like, four right off the bat. And then I'm like, wait, what about the Wedge one? Wait, what about the uh, the, the guy who was just following procedure too much? <laughs> what about Broba Fett, Emily? What about Broba <laughs> Fett? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, again, like, there's something for everybody. And so mm-hmm. not everything is for everybody. And it's that's good. okay. It's fine. If you give it a low number, Haas will just bounce right back with a 10. It will be good. <laughs> I'll land somewhere in the it middle. Evens, it all evens out. I'll be like, it was like a, it was a good seven, a good seven, get up there, and we'll end up with a, we'll end up with a seven. <laughs> all right, uh, I think that's a podcast. I don't know how to end them, so this is what I usually say. Anything you want to tell the people before we go? Uh, no, uh, except pick up this book. It's a lot of fun, either in physical format or in audiobook. I like driving and washing dishes and being able to listen to my books. Uh, and when you have kids and so, uh, my kids aren't even little anymore. I can't even use that excuse. <laughs> I used to be like, well, I can't just sit around reading all day. I have kids and I still have them, but like they should be they're, cooking they're, for me yeah, by now. They're like, they're like yeah. basically self-sufficient people. Look, one of them's in New York. <laughs> There's a lot happening here. Um, yeah. Rogue Rebels have left the nest crying. Aww. all right thank you for coming to the podcast check out emily's podcast check out er- er- emily do you want people to find you on twitter and if so where <laughs> um, 
<laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at EFLind. Got it. And goodbye, everybody. Attention. This is Lando Carissian. Attention. The Empire is taking control of the city. I advise everyone to leave before more Imperial troops arrive. <laughs> Don't blame me. I'm an interpreter. I'm not supposed to know a power socket from a computer terminal.